The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Iowa, fourth and twenty-one. Buckeyes converted on fourth and ten on their go-ahead drive moments ago. Only a four-man rush, and still they force Stanzi out of the pocket, waving desperately, throws it up for grabs, caught, but short of the first down by McNutt. And Ohio State will take over on downs at the 44-yard line as McNutt came up two yards short of the marker. Needed 21, they got 19. Holman and Hines stopped them shy of the first down yardage. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the new football show from Hawkeye's Mike. On this week's show, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and the Reporters' Roundtable segment featuring Hawk Central's Pat Hardy and Hawkeye Insider publisher Rob Howe. You will hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Minnesota's Jeff Horton. We'll review the Iowa-Ohio State game and take a look at the Big Ten Conference. We'll also preview the Iowa-Minnesota game. The Iowa-Ohio State game highlights are courtesy of ABC with Sean McDonough and Matt Millen. A great job calling the game. This is the third Iowa Iowa game they've done this year, and as we've said before, these guys are both good and work well together. We very much appreciate it and thank them. And broadcast school has really paid off. Blitz off the corner, Stanzi got hit, throws, caught, touchdown, Marvin McNutt. John, we said at the start of the game that for Iowa to have a chance, Stanzi's going to have to play his best game. With a minute left in the first quarter, he's off to a fantastic start. Iowa knew they'd get a lot of those blitzes off the corner from the blind side of Stanzi. He survived that blitz, hit McNutt, who caught two touchdown passes last year against Ohio State in Columbus. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use and by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook for all your investment needs. Another fourth quarter failure, offensively and defensively, and another gut-wrenching loss for the Iowa Hawkeyes, 20-17 to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Iowa has not defeated Ohio State since 1992, and now won't play the Buckeyes again for at least two more years because of conference expansion and realignment. Probably a good thing. A season that started with so much promise is now depressing for many fans. In truth, this Iowa team is just an eyelash, a dropped touchdown pass at the end of the Indiana game from being 6-5 and five and perhaps spending the holidays in Detroit. All four losses this season have seen defensive collapses late in the fourth quarter, coupled with the inability of the offense to sustain likely game-winning drives, and special teams play has remained problematical all season long. A couple of interesting facts, Iowa fans would say very disturbing, have emerged in the four losses with these fourth quarter breakdowns. Iowa's defense has allowed opponents to go an average distance of 79.8 yards on 11.8 plays. Even more alarming, Iowa's last gasp offensive drives have resulted in a combined total of 32 plays for 61 yards, a pathetic 15.2 yards per drive when the game has been on the line. Iowa is only 11 of 18 in the 29 games decided by 7 points or less since 2009. 
105, a winning percentage of just 37.9. That's rarely going to cut it if you want to contend for the Big Ten title year in and year out. And while there have been defensive glitches over that time, most often it has been Iowa's conservative offense that has failed to put up enough points to win more of these close games. The Hawkeyes now turn their attention to the regular season finale, traveling to Minnesota to face the Gophers in the annual battle for Floyd of Rosedale. An Iowa win in this one still gives the team a shot at a decent bowl game, a loss, especially against a two-win Gophers team, and there will be no sugarcoating what would be a very disappointing season. What the hell, bro? Hawkeyesmike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Post-game notes and key stats, Ohio State was the sixth-ranked team Iowa has played this season, and the Hawks will close out 3-3 three and three against those squads. Senior quarterback Ricky Stanzi had another decent day, despite the failure at the end of the game. Stanzi completed 20 of 31 passes for 195 yards and a touchdown. Coincidentally, Terrell Pryor also passed for 195 yards. The Hawks are now 25-8 and eight with Stanzi as the starter, and he's had at least one TD pass in the last 20 games he's played. Junior wideout Marvin McNutt had another big game. Seven catches for 92 yards including the touchdown, the 15th of his career. Senior receiver Darrell Johnson Culianos, Iowa's career leader in receptions and yards, ended the day with two catches for 38 yards. Four passes were caught by the tight ends and Stanzi actually completed one pass to himself on a tipped ball by the defense. Marcus Coker started at running back in place of Adam Robinson and had a very nice day, gaining a net 70 yards on nine carries. Coker's average was much higher than what the Buckeyes have allowed over this season. Adam Robinson, who was injured late in the game, only had nine rushes for 27 yards. Senior linebacker Jeremiah Hunter once again led the team in tackles with 11. Defensive backs Micah Hyde and Sean Prater both had interceptions. Hyde's third of the season, Prater's fourth. Iowa was three of three in the red zone, two touchdowns and a field goal. The Hawkeyes have now scored on one 100 of their last 111 red zone possessions. Ohio State was 2 of 2 in the red zone, a TD and a field goal. Iowa opponents are 23 of 32 in the red zone on the season. Key stats, first downs, Ohio State 21, Iowa 17. Net yards rushing, the Buckeyes 158, Iowa only 81. Net yards passing, that was even at 195. Total offense, 353 yards for the Buckeyes, 276 for the Hawks. Total offense plays. This was a big disparity with Ohio State running 69 to only 56 for Iowa. The Hawks did win the penalties and turnover battles and possession time was pretty even. Third down conversions, Iowa was 5 of 12, Ohio State 7 of 15. A key stat in this game was fourth down conversions. The Buckeyes were a critical 2 of 2, Iowa 0 for 1. Second and 10. Pryor Still behind the line, has another receiver open deep, it floats a bit, and it's picked off in the end zone on the deflection, it wound up in the hands of Micah Hyde. What a great pick. Prater and Sash there, and it got deflected into the hands of Micah Hyde, the sophomore, another Ohioan, one of the 13 on the Iowa team, he's from Fostoria. It's his third interception of the year.
How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Visit prefins.com. Time now to hear from the coaches in this Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz talks about the play and progress of freshman running back Marcus Coker. I think every player, you know, they're, they're you know, building credit, uh, spending on a credit card, going in the red uh, with everything they do, you know, you know performance-wise, practice games. And I think with, with every exposure we've had to Marcus, which has been fairly limited, you know, every exposure has been impressive. And, you know, the defense we played the other night uh, was a very tenacious, uh, closed, fasting, fast-closing defense and a hard-hitting defense. So... Uh, uh, to see him perform like he did in that environment, I, I thought that was awfully impressive, you know, and really, uh, you know, so his, he's, he's building and uh, gaining our confidence. Hopefully, you know, I would assume he's probably becoming more confident himself individually, too. You know, he, he should feel good about what he did. Ferenc was asked about his team's mindset coming off of two very tough losses. I'd have concerns either way. You know, if we're coming off two big, uh, you know, euphoric-type wins, I'd be concerned probably the other direction. So it's uh, it's like in any uh, any game. You know, you always have challenges going into a game and things you're concerned about. And, uh, you know, the mental mental state of the team is always an issue that you, you think about and try to uh, do your best to, to manage. But, uh, you know, the circumstances change, but you're always trying to anticipate, you know, how the team's thinking and what, what, uh, what things you might have to cover. Ference was asked again about Iowa fourth quarter problems this season. You know, I'd throw in there that, you know, our, our fourth quarter offense hasn't been good enough either in those cases. So, you know, the two things complement each other. You know, if, if you can move the ball, drive the ball, if you got the lead and, you know, can sustain obviously score points would be the best thing, but if, at least if you can you know, move the ball a little bit and give the defense a chance to rest and, and get them back out in, in good field position, although, you know, sometimes that hasn't been the issue, but, you know, those things all, they all, all you know, it's football, it all goes together, but we, we have to do a better job, there's no question, you know, and I think, you know, in our losses, everything's pretty it's pretty graphically spelled out, you know, where, where the issues are, what the concerns are, and the challenge for us this week is to try to remedy those things as best we can. Ferentz was also asked whether there is now an issue of team confidence with the fourth quarter issues. I think that helps. I don't think there's any question it helps, uh, but it's, it really gets down to execution. But I, I think, yeah, teams develop confidence, and, you know, I'm not saying we have doubt right now. I don't think that's the issue, but you do develop confidence with, with success, I believe. But then, you know, you still have to execute when you get in those situations. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's you know, uh, one of the differences between winning and losing. You know, we did some things well the other day. You know, our, our turnover margin was great. You know, we, we uh, ended up winning that. And the game was really up until the last last possessions, uh, their last drive in particular. You know, the game was just about even statistically outside of the, the turnovers. But, uh, you know, if you don't finish, you got to play four quarters. If you don't finish, you know, that's the difference between being in a BCS game and, and not. That's you know, kind of like the NFL players. In playoffs, there are a lot of close games in the playoffs. Teams that win those close games, you know, if you want to go to the Super Bowl, that's what you have to do. You know, you either win and move on or you, or you don't. Kirk was asked about the importance of going into the bowl season with an 8-4 and four record as opposed to 7-5. and five. It's good emotionally in all regards. I mean, it just, you know, it's like anything else. Yeah, it's, it's a big difference. And, uh, you know, to win your last game, we're going to have a, a break. I don't know where we're going or what the plans are after a Saturday. But, uh, you know, it's like going into a, a bye week. You know, it's just more fun to go into a bye week after a win. It doesn't always work that way, but... 
certainly that's our goal. You know, it's as simple as that. We just want to play well Saturday and try to get a win. And Ference talks about Minnesota's upset win over Illinois and how well the Gophers can play. Well, it's the Big Ten. I mean, you know, conference games uh, are tough every week, and, you know, they played very well there and got the win on the road. And, uh, you know, their game with Northwestern was, was back and forth, so that could have gone either way, and, you know, that's a team that beat us. So, you know, to, to, to you know, try to predict outcomes uh, in our conference, you know, to think you know going into it what's going to happen. You know, I wouldn't want to venture down that path, and I hope none of our players do. You know, we got we got ready to play a good football game because they showed what they're capable of doing there for sure. Yeah, I think that game's indicative of uh, you know where they're at. Uh, they they haven't surrendered uh, by any stretch. You know, they uh, played a very good game down there against a team that's been playing well. So that's a real credit to them. It's a credit to the staff, the players, and you know we expect their best shot this week. Minnesota interim head coach Jeff Horton talks about his Minnesota team coming off its bye week. Obviously, we got the bye at a great time. It had been a 11 long weeks there, but it was obviously good having the, the victory over Illinois and going into the bye. You know, you could definitely tell that uh, you know we had a you know different feel around here. I mean, you could actually smile and laugh and not be fake. And the kids had a good pep in their step, and it gave us a chance to get uh, good weeks of preparation uh, for Iowa. You know, we probably need really two or three more weeks to get ready for. Form, but uh, uh, we'll have to put it out there on, on Saturday. But um, we had some guys get healed up, so I think the bye came at a, at a great time. And now we just want to you know finish it up, last home game, senior day, and just finish it with a, with a big win. Horton talks about what quarterback Adam Weber has meant to the Minnesota program. Well, you know, Adam's a three-time captain, but third in the Big Ten all-time with passing. You know, he's really the face of the program. He represents us on and off the field the way you would want it. He always has the right answers, always says the right thing always takes responsibility and accountability you know i think as time goes by the people who appreciate him even more he'll be the first to say that you know we haven't won as many games as he's wanted to obviously and he wanted this team to but he's always been a team guy and he's always put the blame on himself and he's really a special young man and then you know like i've said before people are starting businesses out there he's the kind of guy you want to hire because uh he'll definitely give you everything he's got he'll represent your represent you the right way and then uh you know i just feel you know honored i had a chance to coach him this last year was asked about the Iowa-Minnesota rivalry. Well, I think, you know, obviously it is a huge rivalry game. You know, in the last 10 years, I think we're 2-8, and eight, so we got to do our part to rekindle that. We obviously don't want Iowa to feel comfortable about just uh, coming in expecting to win. You know, we got to do our part here. Coach Ferentz has done a tremendous, great job at Iowa, and his, his players, uh, you know, the one thing you always know, they're going to be tough and physical, and, and they do a great job of coaching them. Probably the most fundamental sound team in the league, so we'll definitely have our, our hands full, but uh, we'll get the guys stoked up beating Illinois was the first one in November in three years conference game and you know we won a trophy here in a long time so this is our last opportunity so we'll try to get our guys you know ready to go and, and uh, answer the bell. Horton was asked about the atmosphere around the Gophers team after their upset win at Illinois. You know definitely getting a win just you know it just validates you know the work and effort you put into you know you got to have always faith faith is belief without evidence and we finally got some evidence with the win and you know you know see the, the emotional outburst and the, the feeling on the field in the locker room afterwards and then just, you know, practice last week with the bye week, you know, I mean, you know, this hadn't been easy, you know, it's a daily grind around here just to keep it going and keep it together over these last, you know, month and a half and, you know, it's a hard deal, but our, our guys hung in, they kept working, players and coaches, because there, there is a lot of uncertainty and, uh, you know, it was great to finally get rewarded for that and uh, the one thing we've tried to stress over the last month and a half is to have fun, be loose, let's just go play hard and, you know, for the most part, I think we, we've tried to do that 
that. And, um, you know, we had a good week last week, you know, preparing for Iowa, probably put 80, 85% of the game plan in and then just solidified some things that they played Ohio State. And, and now it's up to us to go out and execute. And Horton talks about how much pressure is off his team as a result of the win over the Illini. Well, it was kind of the, you know, the old monkey had grown into a gorilla, you know, it was King Kong on our backs, you know, losing that many in a row. So it was obviously awesome feeling to get that, get that off of you. And, you know, hopefully now, you know, when you, a lot of times you get a taste of success, you know, you know it feels good, obviously. And uh, the guys responded to that last week and anticipate them carrying that into this week's preparation. And if they hang in there and keep doing what they're doing, you, you have an opportunity to win. And, uh, you know, it's going to take a great effort against a great Iowa football team. And, you know, I, I like our guys, and I think we'll have a great week and be ready to go. Mike Meyer missed one in the first half, wide left from 40 yards from the right half mark. This is 31 yards from the left half mark, and it is good. And there were 3.26 to go in the third quarter. Ohio State and Iowa are tied at 10. We welcome back former Hawkeye and NFL star Marv Cook for his weekly stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Sean Patchett visits with Marv. First off, congratulations on coaching the undefeated state champion Regina Regals. Yeah. Can you talk about that experience? You know, it was a great experience. I mean, this is my fourth year, and this I've had this group since uh, uh, we've had this group since they were freshmen. So, <clears throat> you know, it's been a work in progress, but uh, we knew kind of coming in that we had a good chance to be pretty good team and uh, it was fun to watch him progress and, and to get it accomplished. All right, now moving on to a more somber topic. Yeah. What are your overall impressions of the loss to Ohio State last Saturday? You know, it's it's kind of same old, same old. I mean, they did enough to win at times, but then they, you know, did enough to lose. And, um, you know, I, I think you can make a case that it's the same thing that Indiana, Northwestern, and Ohio State are the same basically you know, uh, scenarios where, we, you know, we were ahead, uh, had chances to put them away, didn't do it, and the other team was able to come back and, and make enough plays to win. And, and um, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's just a unique situation that we're looking at, you know, four losses and they could easily be four wins. Another somewhat solid performance by the defense, but again, the collapse at crunch time. You know, is there any answer for what's going on there? And should Iowa fans be worried that this trend could carry over to next season? You know, you know, fourth and 11, it just, there's one guy that I would worry about, you know, and that's Terrell Pryor. And, and to let him run for first down is just, in my opinion, I mean, that's just brutal. I mean, you know, make him throw it, make him make a throw to beat you. Uh, would be my opinion of, of that. But, I mean, it is what it is. And, you know, I mean, if, if, you, if you end up spying them, that's one less guy in the defense, and then they can make the, you know, pass or completion. So, you know, it's a, it's a game of chess, and obviously they made enough plays. And to their credit, they, you know, he made the play when he had to and kept the drive alive. And, um, you know, ultimately they moved on to the victory. So can it move on to next year? We lose a lot of great seniors, and this is a great senior class. And these guys have been, uh, you know, I, I, I told some people that these guys haven't won 10 games in the last three years. Those 10 games, all of them within one possession, they're, they're about seven points or less. I mean, that's amazing. So the 40 games they've played, they've won, or they've been one play away from being able to win the game. So as a fan, you know, that 
you know, obviously that's 40 games of being able to enjoy football and, and never being out of it, but yet, you know, 10 games in the last three years that, you know, this is a good group of seniors and they'll play with a lot of pride. And so we're losing a good group. So, you know, it just depends on who's ready to step up next year and take over the leadership and, um, uh, you know, find ways to win. Uh, you mentioned him a second ago. What are your impressions of Terrell Pryor, and did you ever play against a similar athlete at any level, and what sort of NFL future do you see for Pryor? You know, I, I guess the most, the, the guy that I would compare him to in kind of a quirky way would be a, a Steve Young. I don't think he's near as good a passer as Steve Young, but Steve Young could just destroy you with his running ability. Um, you know, Randall Cunningham was similar to that as well, but... Um, you know, he, he's a gifted guy. Obviously, Ohio State's system offensively is not as evolved as a lot of systems, so it's going to take a transition uh, as he goes to the NFL. Not a lot of Ohio State quarterbacks actually progress into the NFL, but, uh, but you know, I, I can definitely see him doing that. It did sound like he's coming back, I think I heard. But, um, you know, he's obviously a gifted player. that They're surrounding him with an incredible amount of talent, and, and that's why they're able to win those games. When you have a team that wins close games and you have a team that uh, loses close games, you touched on 40 games of being within a play of winning, what's the difference or what are the differences between those teams? And can you see those differences when comparing last year's Iowa team to this year's? Well, I mean, real similar in that, you know, last year we, you know, we, we ended up winning those games by a last-second play versus losing them. And then this is the season that we've, we've come up on the short side of it. I mean, it's, it's you know... I, I just, you don't want to leave the game to one play. You don't want to leave the game to a, an awkward bounce of the footballs. You, you know, in, in, a, in a kind of a weird way, you, you want to do what Brett Beal was doing. You want to, if you get up 20, you get up 30. If you get up 30, you get up 40. Uh, you know, and, and if you get up seven, you want to get up 15. And, uh, and that way, you know, one play or a, a series of bad plays doesn't come back and, and cost you the game. And, and, you know, I thought the focus at Michigan State was that, and we did put them away, and we, we played the full 60 minutes. And, you know, unfortunately for us, we just, you know, it's, you know, we're up 17-10, and instead of going to 24-10, we stay there, we kick a field goal, and, and they're able to get back into it, you know, slowly and surely, and then uh, they're able to make a play at the end to, to, to beat us. Does it look to you like conditioning is an issue with this team? Um, no, I mean... Certain games are, you know, certain like Northwestern, you know, they play a unique style where you, you got to chase the ball, and when you got a quarterback like that guy, I mean, you, I mean, you got to you got to run sideline to sideline, you got to run north and south, east and west, you got to, you know, you miss him, you got to get after him again. I mean, it's a unique preparation, and if, and if they can control the ball, and you, you start looking at 80, 85 offensive snaps, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, and they've played enough football at this point where that's, I don't think that's, that's truly a problem. All right, moving on to Minnesota this weekend. With the, loss to Northwestern, with the loss to Northwestern, which knocked Iowa out of contention for the Big Ten title, and then the senior day loss to Ohio State, both very close games, is it possible Iowa could be going into Minnesota emotionally drained? And How much, if any, will the past two weeks have an impact on Iowa this Saturday? I think it's, it's definitely going to have to weigh them a little bit. I mean, that's two straight losses, and, and you know now they're going on the road again and, and facing another senior, senior night and, or senior day. And... They're going to get a spirited effort out of Minnesota, but, you know, I mean, they've got a January 1 bowl game sitting there waiting for them. If they win this game, I truly think they'll go to a January 1 bowl game based on, 
you know, the talent they've got. I mean, they still got four losses. They're still ranked in the top 25. Uh, so it's a good football team. And, uh, you know, as good as the fans travel, it's going to be it'll be a nice bowl game. So but if they lose, who knows what happens? I mean, they, you know, that, and then now you got three or four other teams that are going to jump in front of them statistically and record-wise. So who knows what bowl game they go to. So they got a lot riding on this thing. Um, you know, I think there's enough senior leadership where they'll be focused and, and locked in. You know, the interesting thing is it's the first time in Minnesota outside. You know, you used to be you go up there in November and played in, indoors. It wasn't that big of an issue. But, there, you know, there could be snow, it could be hail, you know, tons of weather. So it's going to be fun from a fan standpoint to watch this thing and see how it all plays out. I think bad weather conduce, will be play to the benefit of Iowa because I think we are more physical on a better running football team. But um, it's going to make for an interesting matchup. But I, I think they'll be locked in. I think they know it's their last regular season game. And, and if they do win, they'll be heading to Florida for a nice bowl game. So I think there'll be a lot of motivation for them. The Gophers have had two weeks to prepare for this contest. The offensive game plans of the last three opponents have been similar and effective, and there's little reason to doubt Minnesota's game plan will look much different. What twists or nuances can Iowa's defense implement to throw Minnesota's game plan off? Well, I think you got to show them something and give them something else, and I think that's a lot of it is, is, is you make them think you got a certain look, and then you, you, all of a sudden you rotate out, you rob her down or something, and, and you give the quarterback a different look. Even if it doesn't work, just the fact that you've shown it, now he's got to be looking instead of the, the flat read, now he's got to look at the flat read and the safety. Uh, for the curls, things like that. So uh, just by showing something else, it puts something else in his head. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think they're probably, Northwestern from a defensive standpoint, is going to look and see what Northwestern did to stop our run and, and, and to create some success. And I think we'll see a lot of that. So hopefully we've cleaned up those areas. Uh, Minnesota's a unique team, and I think a couple years ago, last year, the year before, we burned like three timeouts in the first quarter because we were having trouble adjusting uh, or they were shifting their fronts and creating problems for our, our blocking assignments. So I think they're, they're a smart group. I think they know what they're doing, how they're going to attack. It's just a matter of us, you know, matching that and being ready and, and uh, you know, answering the bell. Uh, what trends should we look for early on in the game, uh, both sides of the ball? Just if they're getting penetration on our running game, uh, that's what I would look for. I mean, because then that shows me that, you know, they found something that they've got some tendencies that, that they're reading. And, and if they're getting penetration uh, off our zone stuff, that'll tell me we're going to be in for a longer day like we were at Northwestern. But I, I think physically we're, we're, we're strong. I think it sounds like Robinson's going to be out, so Coker will be the guy again. And, you know, look for, uh, you know, look for Stanzi to get back on track and really be that dominant quarterback and get the ball to McNutt and Reisner and DJK. And, and um, you know, get the passing game going again as well, and and making more big plays down the field. So, um, but like I said, if if Northwestern can create penetration on defense, if they can you know move the move the chains offensively, keep our defense out there, uh, you know, it could be a long day. I mean, like I said, the weather would be interesting to see what the weather is going to be on Saturday. But um, you know, I, I think this is Iowa's game. I think this is too good a group of seniors. Um, you know to not go out and play well. Uh, final score prediction? I mean, I think, I think it's going to be a 31 to 3 type game. I think Iowa should handle it very, very efficiently. Uh, and it's just a matter of going out and, and, and not turning the ball over and, and being clean in all the different areas, special teams, offense and defense. And I, and I, think, we'll, I think we'll see a good effort. I mean, I think we'll see a focus group. 
um, you know, and then you know, shortly thereafter, we'll be getting a nice little uh, bowl invitation somewhere, somewhere warm. Oh, yeah. Speaking of your bowl prediction, I was thinking January one if they win. Not sure if they lose. Any idea who they might play? If if they if they win, I, I you know I see them going to the Outback or uh, probably the Outback Bowl, and then you know it'd be an it'd be an uh, uh, SEC matchup. I mean, it would be you know it'd be cool to see. You know, I don't know if Alabama would ever slip that low, but uh, man, I mean, it'd be nice to get a nice, good quality opponent from the, a great conference. It'd be a great way for these seniors. Like I said, this, these seniors have a chance to be the first group ever to win three straight bowl games in the history of Iowa football. So there's a lot riding on it, and it would be great to have a great matchup in a great location uh, that the fans can get excited about. But if they lose, I mean, it could be, you know, it could be the fifth or sixth or seventh spot for a Big Ten team. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't even want to think about it. Any other thoughts? Just uh, like I said, I mean, it's the, the weather. I mean, that's going to be the irony of the whole thing is just seeing a Minnesota-Iowa game outside. I, I can go back to the year that Dayton Hughes was doing snow angels in the end zone. I'm not sure it's going to be that bad up there, but, you know, I think it is. They're talking low 20s, so it's going to be chilly, and, and if there's you throw a little wind in there, it could be pretty dicey. Hello. Good evening and welcome to the middle of the film. Fires pass is intercepted on the ricochet. It deflected off Mars to Prater and he's pulled down at the 28-yard line. The whole thing is made possible from Adrian Claiborne's pressure and forces him to step up and then good pressure by Morris for, I mean, uh, coverage by Morris 44 to make Zanzibacher go on top of him. Fourth interception of the year for Prater, Jr. from Omaha, Nebraska. Two interceptions thrown today by Pryor. In our Big Ten notebook this week, going into the final week of the 2010 Big Ten play, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin remain tied for the conference lead with 10 victories and only one loss apiece. The Badgers and Buckeyes are highly favored in their games against Northwestern and Michigan, respectively, while the Spartans may face a tougher go at Penn State. It's highly likely that the tiebreakers will come into play to determine the Rose Bowl representative, and also probable that the Big Ten will get a second BCS Bowl bid with victories this week. Brett Bielma and Mark D'Antonio are both seeking their first Big Ten titles. Jim Tressel is looking for his seventh in his first ten seasons as Buckeyes head coach. Ohio State is also looking to tie its own record for consecutive championships. There are significant reasons these three teams remain at the top of the conference. The Badgers lead in points per contest. All three teams are in the top four in total defense. And the Buckeyes lead the Big Ten in all four major defensive categories. And the three teams are among the top four in conference and scoring, as well as total and rushing defense. Illinois' win last week over Northwestern at Wrigley Field now gives the Big Ten eight bowl-eligible teams this season. The only schools left out, Minnesota, Purdue, and Indiana. The Wildcats will likely drop down the bowl's pecking order since they are a far less dangerous team without star quarterback Dan Persa. Big Ten coaches on the hot seat going into Saturday are Indiana's Bill Lynch, who looks like a gunner, and Michigan's Rich Rodriguez. In spite of 
the fact that the Wolverines have finally become bowl eligible under Rodriguez, Michigan fans are very unhappy about the program's continued struggles on defense. They were very upset following last week's blowout loss to Wisconsin at Ann Arbor and will be howling if they get blown out of the horseshoe in Columbus this Saturday. Stay tuned on that one. Trophy games also abound this weekend as well as the traditional Ohio State-Michigan season ender. Indiana and Purdue play for the old oaken bucket for the 76th time. Michigan State and Penn State battle for one of the newest, the Land Grant Trophy. And of course the Hawkeyes face the Gophers for the venerable Floyd of Rosedale. Also the 76th time that chunk of bronze is at stake. Incidentally, the sports writers who decide the Associated Press Top 25 each week just voted Floyd the best traveling trophy in college football. Time now for our Reporters Roundtable with Pat Hardy and Rob Howe. You can read Pat's articles and columns in the Iowa City Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. You can check out Rob's features at HawkeyeInsider.com. Sean Patchett talks with Pat and Rob about last week's game and this Saturday's contest. So what can we as fans take away from the 20-10 loss to 9th-ranked Ohio State? Ohio State's better. <laughs> that would be my assumption. And Iowa had a chance to win against a team with one loss this year and came close, and that's kind of been the story of the season. Ohio State did enough to win, just like it almost always does against Iowa. And like Rob said, Ohio State's a better team. I think if they played ten times, Ohio State wins seven to eight times at least. And you just got a feeling when that was 17-13 after that field goal that it was happening. You could just see it happening, and it happened. And Pryor was the number one recruit in the country, yeah. and there's a reason why. And the guys blocking for him were all, I don't think there was less than a four-star on that offensive line for them. And in Ohio State's case, you get all, you get enough four and five stars, enough of them are going <laughs> to realize their potential, and that's where they're good every year. What can the players and the coaching staff take away? More of the same, I guess. At this stage, there's, it's to the point where I'm not sure what they're taking away from these victories because it makes you wonder because they keep allowing it to happen. I mean, it's just one of those things that you got to wonder now if how much of this is mental too because other than Ohio State, I think you could argue that Iowa has had good or better talent than every team they've lost to this year. This Ohio State team was the first time that I think an opponent with a superior talent beat them, but I'm not serious. I don't know what this team's taking away because right now I'm not sure what the mindset of this team is. I don't think the team is as confident as maybe the coach wants us to believe it is, but that's only natural. I think there's, some, I think some doubts crept in on this team, and I think right now these guys are wondering if they do have the answers. Yeah, I'd agree. They, you know, if, if it would have been an isolated incident, in, you know, instance against Ohio State, and you lose. You know, because your defense doesn't stop them on a late game drive and their offense doesn't put enough points up on on the board. It's one thing, but it's the pattern that it's been this season. Late game collapses and just not good enough. Sticking with the defense for a second, Iowa being 110th in the nation, tied with Dickel's Yeah, I heard that stat earlier this week. And um, the good question, I think a lot of that. I think quarterback sacks factor into that stat, and Iowa just hasn't gotten to the quarterback this year. I think that's a big part of it, and um, you know that, that's just the case. They haven't made big plays on defense a lot in the front seven. They've had guys with interceptions. I think Prater has three, and Greenwood has three. Uh, Sash has a couple. They've made interceptions, but they just haven't gotten things done in the opponent's backfield. 
think it just shows that Duke has a lot of work to do in football. <laughs> but no, Iowa, that's a good stat. I was not aware of that stat. That's pretty telling. That right there kind of shows how the defensive line really has not made the kind of impact you thought it would. I mean, it has not been as dis- disruptive as we thought it would. And that's, it's, it's, like I said, I just, that just shows right there. That's hard to argue with that stat. There's a lot of stats that can be misleading, but to me, if Adrian Claiborne had been being double teamed all this year, it'd be a lot different, but he hasn't been being double teamed. He got beaten that Wisconsin game from start to finish, and his stats are almost cut in half, I think, right now. So it almost seems like a collective it's almost been a collective situation up front. You haven't heard Broderick Benz's name mentioned for a while. Now, I will say that I think Mike Daniels and Christian, I think Christian Ballard's been their most consistent lineman. All, never spectacular, but never below good. It seems like he's always been good. So, But, yeah, that's a pretty telling stat. I wonder what Kirk thinks about that. Adam Robinson was benched during the first, first quarter for academic reasons. Do you think that affected his mindset or performance at all? It was it academic indigestion? Yeah, Kirk called it that. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it may have kind of got his rhythm off because when you get, get into a routine as a starting running back, you warm up, you do all your stuff leading into the game, the, the calisthenics and stuff before the game, and then you get into that first quarter, whereas he spent that whole first quarter standing on the sideline. Maybe that did a little bit, but I don't think it did much. I think the biggest thing with that is the fact that Coker seemed to be the hotter back that day, but they stuck with Adam. But you can't argue with that, though, hindsight-wise, because he's the third leading rusher in the Big Ten. So I think they kept thinking, yeah, Adam's going to break one of these, too. And it just never never really happened for him. I don't think the running back situation was why they lost no. this game or why they've not they, the offense has not performed the last three weeks. And 18 points against Indiana, 17 against Northwestern, 17 against Ohio State. I just don't think Stanzi's played well. For some reason, he was hot all the way up to that Indiana game coming off the Michigan State game. He just not he's missing he's missing receivers. Throwing he's long. Missing throws. Um, it's just to me that's your you got a fifth year senior quarterback. You need him to make some plays. Uh, and he's not doing that. Um, you know they score 18 against Indiana then the next week Wisconsin puts up 83 on Indiana. They score 17 against Northwestern. The next week Illinois. Mike LaShore runs for 330 yards against them. It just there's something going on with this offense and it's more than just the running backs. I think the least of it's the running backs. Yeah. I mean, between Coker and A-Rob, they ran for about 110 yards against Ohio State. And Coker had 129 yeah. against Indiana. Yeah, that's enough for balance and whatever, but like Rob said, Ricky, he missed that open target against Ohio State earlier in that game. He's had a couple passes early in games where if he would have just hit, they'd have early momentum change. in the end zone yeah. against Ohio State. He just they, and he, there have been drop passes. There have been, but I'd say it's more Ricky throwing. He just, he's been off target. Are there any updates on recruiting at this point in time? You know, they had a lot of guys in for Ohio State, but like we've talked about before, um, I I think with the guys that are on their list now, it's broken into two. Broken into two. There's one group that, you know, are highly regarded kids that are just in the process of taking official visits and probably won't make their decisions till the end of this year, the beginning of January. And then you have the group uh, like Alex Carr and uh, Travis Perry and guys in state that are waiting to have their film reviewed from this year to see if they're going to get an offer, kind of like Tanner Miller did late last year. So it's one of those, it seems like recruiting now has gotten to the point where there's a bunch of commitments in the spring and summer and then there's a lull in the fall all the way up to maybe a month before signing day. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a guy that commits here in the next month but I also wouldn't be surprised if there isn't anybody that commits in the next month. 
And we did hear that Big Cyrus Quandijo announced that Iowa, he's the number one lineman in the country from DeMatha High School and Marcus Coker's High School, that Iowa made his final five. So, I mean, they're in it. I mean, they got a chance. There is no update on Christian French, so that's no. an update. Yeah, there is no update other than he's <laughs> down to three, and he's been down to three for like a month. And we're not sure with him. And then Anthony Zatel was in on an official visit. And uh, who else was in? Rodney Coe. Rodney they were Coe. both in on oh. official visits this week. But, again, those guys have more visits to take. So we'll see how that plays out. Your sense of how some of the more key recruits have performed during their senior season in the playoffs? Yeah, it's tough for Melvin Spears and Allen. They lost to the number one ranked team in the country last week. It was a close game. Uh, but I think most of the guys have had good years. Uh, Mike Orloff got hurt, but not not seriously. Uh, Ruddick's had a great year um, on a really good team. Um, Melvin Gordon's had a good year. Um, I think Austin Blythe had a good year, and Williamsburg had a good year. I think most of the guys have had good seasons. I think the, the guys in Michigan, Ray Hamilton and uh, Jake Doozy, their, their team struggled a little bit this year, but those guys played well. I, uh, I think this is a good class. I think, uh, you know, it fills some needs. There's guys that are athletes that are versatile to be able to maybe fill some roles. I was going to need help at linebacker, receiver, running back tight end. I mean, there are a lot of, you look at the the senior class this year, there are going to be a lot of guys that may have a chance to get in in this 2011 class that could come in and, and compete for playing time next year. And you got to figure, if you're a Big Ten recruit and you're not having a good senior season individually, you've got issues. I would think most of these guys are probably the best players on their team, arguably. I would, and well, other than maybe Rudock, that's kind of a, <laughs> that team's kind of a freak show though down in Miami or Fort Lauderdale or whatever, but but yeah, it's. Um, I'm interested to see what he does coming in next year because yeah. he's going to come in with a lot of pub. He's had a lot of success in in high school and Stansy's gone. So you expect Vandenberg to win that job. I would be surprised if he didn't. But be interesting to see if uh, if uh, the new kid can push him a little bit. Well, next I'm year. also interested to see how Rudock and Derby coexist. Exactly. Because I still think Rudock, if he's as good as advertised, Derby may say, you know, maybe I should play linebacker or tight end. So we'll see. Uh, the last few games with Iowa struggles, how much impact does that have on recruits and commits? It's hard to quantify that. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't get the sense that anybody in this recruiting class is wavering because Iowa's seven and four instead of nine and two or, or eleven and zero. Um, but also, you know, if sometimes. There are other schools that will continue to sniff around. Uh, families get involved. People can be swayed that way. Um, and as far as the kids that are, aren't committed yet, I just I don't get a sense that it's one year, it's one season that will change the mind of these guys. They know that Iowa's performed well the last three years and for the last decade, so I think that sticks with them. The one guy that I would be concerned with is uh, Nicholas Law, the defensive back from, from Maryland. He had some tweets over the weekend that he unofficially visited Maryland last weekend. He's going to take an official visit to Maryland, or at least that's his plan. He hasn't told the Iowa coaches yet. They frown upon that stuff. We'll see if that, that can be worked out. And people... He's from that area, so people are kind of leaning on him to look at Maryland a little more. That's one I would probably keep an eye on, but I don't think that has anything to do with Iowa's record because Maryland, I think, is They're 7-4, too, yeah. Uh, moving on to Saturday, 
What are your thoughts on Minnesota, and should the fact that they've had two weeks to prepare for Iowa make Hawk fans nervous? Yes, I think it's going to be a closer game than probably most Iowa fans. I see Iowa struggling, doing just enough to win. I see it being not a huge weather day, but I see the weather somewhat being a factor, maybe just because it's going to be in the 30s or high 20s, and that's just we they haven't played in that type of, other than the Orange Bowl last year, they haven't played that type of, I'm sort of exaggerating. I think it's going to be a struggle. I think Minnesota will score a couple touchdowns. I think their receivers, McKnight and Marquise Gray, and I, I just think they have enough weapons on offense to cause Iowa problems. And let's face it, Iowa isn't playing that well right now. They have shown no signs that they're going to unleash a 50 Five to nothing on Minnesota like they did two years ago with Sean Green. That team at the end of the year was so confident. Even though at one point it was three and three, they fed off Sean Green. I don't think anybody really feeding off one player this year. There's not really I mean, I thought Claiborne was the one everyone was going to kind of ride behind, but I don't think that's really happened. And I think Iowa's going to win a close, frustrating game that'll have thinking fans saying, okay, it's over. Thank God that's over. We're eight and four. Now let's try to win a bowl game and win nine games. Yeah, I mean, they beat Minnesota last year during an Orange Bowl year, 12 to nothing at home. Um, very, painful. Yeah, painful game to watch. Very conservative game plan from the Iowa coaches. And I think we could see that again, where they play it close to the vest up there and not want to – there's a shocker. Don't want to make mistakes, you know, against a team that they feel like if, you know, they can pound on a little bit. Minnesota, I think, is ranked one – 10. They're in the 100s in terms of points allowed, 34 points a game. So Iowa probably will have a chance to move the ball against them. I just, I worry if they play that conservative approach again. They've done that this year, and unlike last year, it's bit them in the butt, obviously, with late game breakdowns. And the other thing, as Pat talked about, is Weber. You know, you look about Nick Foles, uh, Tolzian, uh, you know, Persa. Terrell Pryor, they've had, it seems like quarterbacks have made plays against this year, them this year. This is Weber's senior day, too. He's going to be going to be ready to go. What, fifth? One of only five quarterbacks, I think, in Big Ten history to throw, throw for over 10,000. And this is his 50th start. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's... I looked that up yesterday. I was shy. This is his 50th, his 50th start in a row. If they were better, he would have been gone down as one of the Big Ten's best quarterbacks. But, yeah, he will definitely be ready for this game. And I just think it's going to – I think the cornerbacks are going to struggle. Minnesota has got good players at positions where you can score some points. They just don't have a good enough defense. Their yeah. offensive line's gotten healthy, too. It's They've gotten healthier. Yeah, if Iowa comes out and they can't run the ball on this team, I will be surprised. That's why I think they'll do just enough to win this game. But it won't look dominating and it won't be enough, I don't think, to answer some of the concerns fans have right now. Uh, predictions for the game and your final score? I got Iowa 21-13 and just a enough to win. Stanzi throw for maybe 220 and just a lot of a lot of drives where you're like, wow, what happened to that drive? It just seems <laughs> just stuff like that where maybe they get four yards on first down but then they lose two on second down and they just stuff. I just think they're going to do enough to win a, a close, boring, cold game. I actually made my prediction before coming here today, and I, I've got it 20 to 10. So and, we're almost uh, close. Yeah, I think it's going to be a low-scoring, conservative game plan, grind it out, boring. late November, boring Big Ten game. Yeah. And uh, 
would not be – I'd be surprised if Iowa lost, but not shocked. Not the way this season's gone and exactly. not the way the offense perf- has performed the last three weeks. It's To me, it's kind of like the Indiana game. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, sort of like Indiana. Their strengths are at the same positions, decent quarterback, good receivers, decent skill players. It's just everything else. But Iowa made that Indiana defense look pretty good, and they made the Northwestern defense look a lot better than it is. Iowa's offense is in a major funk right now. Yeah. And it was weird. A month ago, we were talking about, wow, isn't it weird how the offense is the strength of this team? <laughs> Now, there is no strength of the team, but I think the offense has dipped lower than the defense ever has this year. The defense the just defense can't run. The defense is still ranked top It's still pretty good, yeah. Defense, it just can't seize the momentum right. when you need it. It just has not been able to, to make that grand last stand, so we'll see. As of this moment, what bowl do you see Iowa going to, and what team do you think they'll play? I'll say Gator Bowl and... Um, somebody mediocre from the SEC. Mississippi State. Mississippi State, Kentucky. Georgia. Um, Georgia can fall there, yeah. One Same thing. I agree, Gator Bowl. I mean, if they lose Saturday, you could go inside. The interesting thing is, yeah, you're right. They could fall. If they lose Saturday, they could go to the inside seven bowl. Five inside seven and five back Arizona. to Arizona. Back to Arizona is not a bad reward. I think it's a late night start. Nine, nine o'clock start. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how, because right now the coverage is already, I don't think anyone, I think a lot of us at this stage thought we'd be getting ready to go start promoting a BCS game. You know, and I think, and right now it's going to be interesting to see what kind of appeal, because at best, they're going to the Outback Bowl, and I'm still not convinced that's going to happen. Well, the interesting thing is what will happen in Happy Valley this week. If, if, if he wins, can beat Michigan State, that's probably going to jump them over Iowa into the Outback Bowl. Yeah, and in fairness to Penn State, it, you could argue that it's all Joe Paterno, but they will have finished the season stronger. Well, he announced Same last record. week. To, or he's coming back. He's, coming, he's back. Yeah, he's Unless back. fire him. Yeah, and, yeah, Joe's back. Joe's going to be coaching it at 84. And Michigan, what if Michigan... I cannot see that happening, but if they go eight and four, they'd be a bigger draw than Iowa because of Denard Robinson, especially for a Florida bowl game. Hawks inside eight and four. <laughs> Never know. Any other thoughts? It's I'm I, I think Coach Ferentz and I think the media is ready for this season. Yeah, I think Tuesday, I think yesterday's press conference, just the tone, you had to be there. But I think Kirk made it painfully obvious that he's kind of had enough of us. And I think we're always to the point where it needs to, everyone needs a break from each other, even when you're winning. But when you underachieve the way this thing is, and I know sometimes when this happens at Iowa, they tend to make it sound like it's, hey, you know, you guys are the ones that I, they buy into that hype early in there. They love it when we're hyping them and whatever. They So I, it goes both ways. It's just unfortunate they underachieved they use it on the recruiting trail they use it all the time team in the state so we get all the attention well you get all the attention when you play well you get all the attention when you fall under people's expectations and Kirk won't admit it he likes to do the let's wait till after the season and I'll evaluate it he he's he's disappointed in this year oh definitely I think he's surprised by this yeah I mean it's pretty you know it's a huge senior class and let's face it in the games they've lost they've had an opportunity to win all those and they've made mistakes a lot of mistakes that you know when you talk about disciplined Iowa teams in November they don't make they're making those mistakes and as much as those winning seasons and great Big Ten titles and part of his legacy too will be teams that didn't handle expectations 05 that team ranked very high kind of similar to this year with Greenwood Greenway and Hodge and Drew Tate and now this team I mean just 
That's part of it. And I think this one's different, though, because in 07, Kirk knew that team wasn't going to be very good. In 06, that team was coming off that 05 frustration, and they had some chemistry issues. This one, I think, has totally shocked him. I don't think he expected to have – I don't think he expected to have more than two losses at this stage. And what surprised him probably and what surprised me is they've gotten really good offensive line play. Yep. And that's usually that if they the get offensive concern. line play, they have really productive seasons, you know, double-digit win seasons, and it just hasn't happened. Anymore. That's like the oil to the machine, but it's like something else broke down. So, all right, now I'm done. I have no opinions. I have an opinion. I want the season to be over. Yeah. Reisner in motion on first and goal. Coker again. Touchdown, Iowa. Hey, we need to see this Coker kid some more. He's a big, powerful kid. And, boy, they inserted him, and he shows his power and his speed. You joined us late. Coker started a running back for Adam Robinson, who was held out of the first quarter for a minor academic issue. Coker was excellent in the first quarter. Now he's back into the fourth quarter, and it's his first career touchdown. Two plays after the interception. Iowa goes back on top. HawkeyesMike.com. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook. And don't forget, you can subscribe to all Hawkeye's Mike podcasts through iTunes. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs on Hawk Central, Hawkeye Insider, and in the Daily Iowa. Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefins Botanicals Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883. 0842 Marsh Cook for all your investment needs. Iowa travels to Minnesota this Saturday playing for the first time in the Gophers' year-old outdoor TCF Bank Stadium. The Hawks are coming off another tough loss against Ohio State, while the Gophers are coming off their bye week after a big upset victory over Illinois and Champaign the week before. Iowa is 7-4 overall, 4-3 in the Big Ten, and ranked 24th in all three major polls plus the BCS rankings. Minnesota is not ranked. It has a season record of 2-9 with 1-6 in league games. This is the one 
104th game in this rivalry with Floyd of Rosedale at stake. The Pig currently resides in Iowa City, and the Hawks have won three in a row and eight of the last ten in the series. Minnesota's last win came in 2008 in Minneapolis, where the Gophers hold a 36-15-2 margin. Minnesota leads all-time in this series, 59-42-2. Oddsmakers peg Iowa as a 15-16 point favorite, and while it will be cold up north, weather should not be a significant factor based on the forecast. This game also marks the last time, at least for the foreseeable future, when Iowa and Minnesota will end the regular season against each other. Big Ten expansion has resulted in the scheduling of Iowa and Nebraska at season's end going forward. The Gophers fired head coach Tim Brewster earlier this season, and co-offensive coordinator Jeff Horton has been acting as interim head coach. Horton is the only coach on Brewster's staff with any head coaching experience. Iowa continues to lead the Big Ten and is second nationally in turnover ratio, and the Hawks maintain fairly lofty stats in most defensive categories, even with some of their fourth quarter breakdowns. Somewhat paradoxically, Iowa is sixth in the nation in scoring defense, but ranks 110th in tackles for loss. Hard to explain, given the hype of Iowa's defensive line. Minnesota has the Big Ten's leading kickoff returner, Troy Stoudermeyer. Probably bad news, given Iowa's troubles this year in covering kickoffs, but the Hawks have the second-ranked kickoff returner in Darrell Johnson-Kulianos. The face of the Gophers program right now is senior quarterback Adam Weber, who holds several Minnesota and Big Ten records. He's just the fifth Big Ten quarterback in history to pass for more than 10,000 career yards. He also holds the conference record for consecutive starts. Weber can be very dangerous, and his favorite target is wide receiver Dejon McKnight, who has 10 TD receptions this season, just one short of the all-time Minnesota record. The Gophers have struggled most of the year on defense, especially against the run. Probably their best player is middle linebacker Gary Tinsley, who leads the team in tackles. Marcus Coker gets the start at running back for Iowa, and if he can perform as well as he did last week versus Ohio State, he could be in for a very good day against that porous Gophers run defense. Quarterback Ricky Stanzi needs to rebound and have a very good performance from start to finish in this game. Whiteouts DJK and Marvin McNutt could be big in this game also, as well as tight end Alan Reisner. Minnesota's win over Illinois, coupled with its bye week, as well as the fact that it will be senior day in Minneapolis, combined to pose the potential for significant risk to the Hawks in this game. Plus, the Gophers have made a point of wanting to score early in this contest since they have been shut out by Iowa the last two years. The attitude and mindset of the Iowa team will be critical this Saturday. Iowa's four losses this season have come by a combined total of 15 points. The three losses in the Big Ten by just eight combined points. But the team's fourth quarter struggles have become all too familiar. It's been like Groundhog Day all season long. The Hawks certainly don't want this game to be close late in the fourth quarter. Many Iowa fans will view 8-4 and four as a disappointment this season, but it's still a lot better sounding than 7-5. and five. The British! Sir! Do you know what I just saw? No, sir. A gopher! Gopher! Do you know what gophers can do? Ooh, better get rid of those gophers. Is that clear? Oh, aye, sir. Very clear, sir. I'll put my best mind on it. I want you to kill every gopher. The little brown furry rodents. We can do that. Aye! We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man!
saw Kirk Ferentz. We talked to him yesterday about this season, which has been termed a disappointment by many. Seven and three, about to be seven and four. They were a top ten team in the preseason. He said, hey, that's external. We didn't have those expectations. Other people attach those expectations to us. So all we can do is try to play week to week and play well. But I think objectively you'd have to say this has been a disappointing season. And for them. He, this is their fourth loss with the, all the talent they had coming back. Yeah, I agree. Two great programs, two outstanding coaches, and an outstanding game here tonight. Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week. Another nice job of capturing the excitement and this season, the heartbreak of Iowa football. And thanks to our regular contributors, Marv Cook, Pat Hardy, Rob Howe, and Sean Patchett. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes, all the time, on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.